Welcome back to episode 13 of The Nightcap, brought to you by Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. My name is Jack Murphy, alongside me, my partner, Sam Cerrone. Sammy boy, how you doing? How you holding up? We're, we're in denial. We're in the denial phase of uh, seven stages of grief right now. Saturday didn't happen, right? Saturday did not happen. And I'm still, you know, it's a fever dream. We're playing, or Ohio State's playing Michigan next week, actually. Yeah, you know. We're we're excited, you know. The the game is. Can't uh, wait, dude. Do you know they're both undefeated heading into the yeah, game? <laughs> game of the century, some may call it. Well, yeah. So uh, over here, we got a couple Ohio State students reacting to Ohio State's forty-five to twenty-three lost the Ohio State Buckeyes, and we are not prisoners of the moment. We are not calling here, saying that Ryan Day should be fired or anything crazy like that, because this team was eleven and zero heading into this game. You can't. Take some of those things for granted. You can't take winning for granted. But the way that game unraveled was a uh, was was shocking. I think it was more shocking. Yeah. I mean, first drive, they come down, bing, bang, boom, touchdown. And you're like, as a fan, you're like, this is just, this is going to be a blowout. That we looked good, we looked crispy. And then just the way the game went, some, some poor decisions were made. Defense did not show up. And Michigan was able to just out-tough them and just, pull away at the end of the game. Yeah, and, and you know, it really comes down to the big plays in the first half. Because, you know, here I sat here on this podcast last week, um, gave J.J. McCarthy uh, a lot of beef about his ability to throw the he ball probably, down the field. He probably heard the podcast. He's like, I got I to gotta go ball out now. Clearly, he's a listener, and that's what – no, and it, I mean, you know, he's made some huge plays, but, you know, he still, he still completed 50% of his passes. You know, he, he should not – be it was not the performance that truly it was just the throws it was the timeliness of the throws well the thing is our defense we're in cover zero we got no one back there and there's throwing you know he just throws these deep passes yeah the the play calls were uh for third down were were a little interesting you know and then it just how many times it just the the cornelius johnson just wide open on that second one colston loveland that's uh, that's the really tough thing first half goes tough um, two big touchdowns. One where you tackle Cam Brown, or Cam Brown makes a tackle. Cornelius Johnson. It's fourth and two. You got to force Michigan to make a decision. Instead, sixty-nine yard touchdown. Then next drive, seventy-five yard touchdown. You go in a half up twenty to seven, and it is you know a little panicky, but you respond with a big touchdown drive. And here you are up three, and you got to go in the locker room and make some ch- changes. You've held Michigan to eleven attempts for ten yards. After one half, they get a couple first downs to start that first drive, and then they load the box up, and that sets up that huge play action play for forty-five yard touchdown because they just they kind of just panicked, just no no in game adjustments, which uh, which was tough to see. Yeah, I mean we brought or Ohio State brought in Jim Knowles to like you know become a top fifteen defense in the nation, and we he, we got it. They got exposed this game. Um, JJ McCarthy did on the the in the in the air in the beginning of the game, and then once we made some more adjustments to defend the pass a little bit, we had you know we saw Edwards and um, Corum kind of break through that defense a little bit. So we just we overcompensated in one field, and then they beat us in the other field. So it's a lot going on for Michigan. Yeah, and I mean it's just tough though. The end of the game is one thing though, because you get the stop to go to thirty one twenty three. And one play. That's it. Touchdown, Michigan. Just no one there on Donovan Edwards. And then, you know, go down the field, unable to 
whatever it is, but, you know, they get the ball back. And, and then 85-yard touchdown. It just, yeah. how they can't even tackle them. They didn't, I don't know, you can get the idea. It kind of felt like they quit in a sense. You, you hate to, that's such a big word. You don't want to throw that out there. But it just, it did feel like they kind of just lost faith in the win and uh, that they could do it. It's tough, you know. They go down the field in the in the fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud just trying to make something, and he does that underhand pass to you know interception. And also previous dry drive, uh, he throws to Cade uh, Stover, and that defensive back makes an incredible play. So they were just. I mean, Michigan was firing on all cylinders. It's just really hard to see. You know, they, it was a close game in the first half, and then they come out and only score three points in, the, in the, all the second half, and the Michigan's able to just you know get three. Three touchdowns in the fourth quarter alone. So it was tough to watch. And just the energy in the stadium. I mean, I was we were both at Michigan last year and that place was rocking. And this year it was it was not like the energy would just went it was taken out so quickly in this game. Yeah, I feel like it some people have like who have conversed with uh at talking about the game, just some friends. When I've mentioned that, they've been like, What are you saying? I'm like, Well, it's it's not everything, but it's something like and we've oh, been so in agreement on it's like, dude, that Michigan game was Hostile last year. Oh, it was, I mean, it was electric. I don't want to say that because I was there and I was rooting for Ohio State, but it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in. Oh, it, oh, by far the best football, sporting atmosphere I've ever been in. And um, even for like, like I went to a Red Sox game when they clinched World Series. Like the you feel the college, yeah. like the what that means so much more, and just. The Michigan felt that moment because obviously they haven't beat Ohio State in years, and you know the the, the energy went with the moment. But uh, I just felt like it was really really lame by the Ohio State fans on Saturday. Like it just it was the whole team kind of had it, the whole program, team think, coaches and and fans had just a bad uh, uh, mindset about the game. They just kind of hold themselves to a different standard. They you know they've won so many games recently. And, you know, they've had such standard of excellence. And in Michigan, you know, they haven't had the same, you know, history as Ohio State recently. So, obviously, a game like that is much bigger for them. I think Ohio State fans get a little, you know, spoiled in some aspects, which is kind of, you know, not a good thing to have. You you want your fans to be engaged the whole game, even if you're down a little bit. I know it's against your biggest rival, but that's when that's when the team needs the fans the most is when they're, they're down and not in the dumps. But... Uh, yeah, this game was tough, really tough to watch. And a lot of people, you know, post-game, obviously it's, you know, recency bias. They're all calling for Ryan Day's head. I mean, what do you, what do you think about that? Oh, hey, dude, you guys 45-5. and five, And the five, four of the five losses are AP top five teams. So, like, it's understandable if you lose to a team that's in the top five. Like, I know it's Michigan. I know it's the first game Clemson. Like, it's not okay to lose these games. You can all point back to re- ways they should have won them, but – it's not losing to Purdue. It's not losing to Iowa. It's not losing to teams that, you know, the, these where you don't show up on a Saturday. And then the, the fifth loss is Oregon, who came in and, you know, now to conference team. I mean, it says something to me that he hasn't lost in the Big Ten besides um, Michigan. It just it says something to me, you know, like I, that is important. You can't you can't take winning for granted. So I, I, I hate calling for his head, but. Obviously, there needs to be some type of change. It's just the play calling is really tough because he is a genius. He's got these great plays in the first half, and then when the money's on the line in the second half, they're not being run. And it's just like, where are some of these reverses to running backs or receivers going? Like, they ran this one play. 
to Xavier Johnson in the first quarter. That was just br- brilliant. The way they pulled him over in motion and handoff, like Michigan had no idea. And I mean, also, you know, here's the thing: is we'd be uh, we'd be crying over him if uh, Bradley Robinson had never got hurt because he would have the fake punt. You've seen the fake punt, yeah. That fourth and five, you know, the stadium totally like some. I remember reading somewhere, somewhere like uh, people are like this, or the writers like this is this is where they lost the game. The crowd, Stroud, you know, just it all. The negativity was at a peak there in the stadium, and you know, someone who wasn't a big fan of the uh, vibes in the stadium, I, I felt I agreed with that at first, but then I'm seeing like clearly that was a Mitch Rossi fake, and that's why Mirko grabbed it weird, and so they would have easily converted that fake punt and that would have really yeah. changed the vibes. I mean you have like what it was like third and like deep and they do a little pitch out to the side. Um just you know just some hair hair scratching uh play calls. You know, people are always now they're always relating Ryan Day to John Cooper who obviously, you know, lost to Michigan. He was fired. They brought in Jim Chessel. Yeah, it was like it, two and ten against yeah. Michigan. It's just like I know this is the biggest like so many fans are like you you can go you know winless and then you beat Michigan and the season's saved. I mean I don't know if I put too much weight into that, but like it's definitely a tough thing to be, to see. I think Ryan Day next year is definitely a very important season for him. Um, I mean I, I definitely can see them kind of relinquishing his play calling a little bit to someone else, just so we don't have some of those those you know swing passes that he he always dies by. Ah, uh, it's just. It's been since since Clemson um, freshman year, or, or you know twenty nineteen. That was our freshman year, but it's easy that we've been here for all four of Day's years. Um, that game, a lot of things you can talk about, scoop and score all that stuff. But they had three red zone field goals. You just you got it. Like they went right down the like you said it. They went right down the field to start this game. Go up seven nothing. Michigan responds with a field goal. Next drive, they go right down the field and they stall in the red zone. They have. They just stall in the red zone in big games. It makes no sense. But also, I'm not going to – I mean, you've seen some of the stuff on Twitter, bring back Urban Meyer. Like, are people serious? Yeah, I mean, Urban Meyer is a very, you know, questionable character. Um, he did beat Michigan. I mean, I, I don't think it's that's the way we need to go. I, I don't – I mean, Ryan Day is, I think, by far a better recruiter than Urban Meyer is. Uh, it, I, mean, I think, I think it's, re- it's clearly a toss-up. I, I don't know. He's they don't just, recruit defensive players, though. That's, that's their true. Michigan is now. I think the big thing that we've just learned is that Michigan has clearly finally recovered from the Rich Rod Brady Hoke stuff. You know. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jim Harbaugh. They. I think they. They bought in. He's. He's found his comfort level now. He also they they because they cashed like some of these wins that Urban had. Like you know Harbaugh is picking up the pieces of Brady Hoke. He takes Brady Hoke's five win team in twenty fourteen. The next year in twenty fifteen. It's a ten win, ten and three team, and you know he he loses a win on like that Michigan State punt and stuff. Like they mm. they've been competitive since he got there without his own players, but now or uh, and Urban also got to cash in on the Don Brown defenses. I mean Jim Jim Harbaugh had Don Brown for way too long as his defensive coordinator. That just allowed Dwayne Haskins and Barrett and yeah. all those teams to score fifty plus points. I mean, on yeah, I mean like every you know. The past two games have been very competitive. Um, Urb, I think every Urban Meyer game versus Michigan besides the 2016 game was ultimately a blowout every year. So yeah, I mean, we're we're entering a an era as fans from you know all over the place watching 
the tables have been turned. Obviously, it's been all Ohio State recently, and now Michigan's taking control, like you're saying. And it's just, I think that now they're able to – Ohio State got caught up in the national thing. Oh, we're playing with the Georgias and the Alabamas of the world. Michigan – Harbaugh especially. You just I got to give Harbaugh credit. He went back to the basics. This is the Niners. This These Michigan teams are those Niners teams. They run the ball. They do what he knows how to do on offense. And then whoever, they stole the D coordinator from – it's straight out of his brother – it's his brother's defense. They're running a real NFL defense because Ryan Day's running an NFL offense compared to whatever yeah. they were running with Don Brown. So it's uh, – I think it's just – it's about time Harbaugh figured it out with Michigan low-key. It's, it's really bad as an Ohio State fan just to say that, but I just – he was that good coming in here. It's only about time he figured it out. And also another thing we need to mention. Also, we need to mention after this game, you know, the penalties were very egregious for Ohio State. You have Geese Scott with a very undisciplined headbutt after that punt. Um, or not. Big Kate play. Stover had one, too. Kate Stover. Um, the pass interferences in the back of the end zone. And then the two guys that sandwiched the receiver on, like, the 10-yard line. Well, that's the thing, dude, is that Ohio State had such bad offensive penalties against Michigan last year, and now it comes back home and you get the home field advantage. No. It, same thing. Mistakes, shooting yourself in the foot. Just really tough there for the Buckeyes. Is it's just you heard it all year that we're ready for this game, we're ready for this game, and it was worse than last year. It's just it's just tough. You know, I think it just – like everyone is shocked in their own way if you're a yeah. fan. Whether you're reacting to it the right way or the wrong way, it, it's – I don't think anyone expected it to be uh, more than, even though I ended up predicting on the Blocko show, because also that's the other thing too, is that Ohio State could have been up. This is salty Ohio State fan here, but like, why could they not have been up 28 nothing? Just like in that Clemson game, it's like, why couldn't they have been up 28 nothing if they just had some red zone plays that they would consistently run and be confident? But, you know, they got to go back to the drawing board here. They've been caught up too. And it's just shocking that it unraveled like it did because they told us they were ready, and then yeah, it just got like they, you know, they kind of like they just quit, dude. They, they were in it till the end, even though they were struggling. I mean, you, you like, like you said, like they, Marvin Harrison, great receiver. I mean, he had a good game, but like, there's there wasn't any game changing play that he made. Um, and Be- and Mecca had a pretty you know decent game but well that's the other thing too is Marv stars. Marv has that 40 yard touchdown they when when did they try to push the ball deep to yeah, that, was the only, like, that. Yeah, that, that was the only kind of big play that they had with them around all of offense to be frank well so the Buckeyes now fall to the fifth which is just I mean yeah I want to see them in the playoff but like do I I last year it it's because they're undefeated you know they get the loss but I really do you think they should be allowed to get into the playoff if if USC loses, maybe, but if TCU loses, I'm not putting in Ohio State over TCU. I mean, you're going to put in a one-loss, you're putting a one-loss conference, non-conference champion? Yeah, they split with K-State. I mean, that's true, but, like, it's tough. But usually you want to, like, I guess Ohio State and TCU would both be coming off losses, but I guess it's just, like, a little clunky, a little awkward putting in a... That's the really, at the end of the day, even though I, I just talked to myself, like, I, I do believe it, but it's just like, that's the one I'm really praying that, you know, if, if Utah beats USC, that's really easy. Yeah. They have two losses um, and they're out. 100%. TCU losing makes it really interesting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, yeah, what do you, that's like a real head scratcher. I mean, TCU's been hot. They've won every game, you know, relatively close against big opponents. So it'll be weird to see them out if they lose. 
It's I just mean, uh, the matchup between Ohio State and Georgia. I think I don't know that. I feel Georgia would be very, very beatable. Like Georgia's not the same as they were last year. I, I just, dude, I, is this is Michigan going to win the whole thing? I, I don't know. Like, I, they'll, I think, they'll be playing a TCU team, which I think they can. I think they'll be able to beat. Uh, talk about co- like college football has uh, really evened out this year, but you just have. I mean, you only have five. One loss or less teams, you know. You, yeah, I mean, six is Bama, seven Tennessee. It's seven. Like you know, no one wants to see Tennessee in the playoff. Their quarterback's not there. That's interesting how the the committee put um, Alabama in front of Tennessee, even though Tennessee beat. Yeah, Bama. it's good. It's the you know they love Bama. I mean, they've kept Bama in it all. They've set up Bama. I mean, did you see after Ohio State lost, Vegas gave Bama championships odds again? Really? Yeah. I mean, I've I've spoken to a lot of people, and they're all like, Alabama should be in in there above Ohio State. Like, I don't know. I just it's a one loss team. team. There's so much more weight there. I partially agree. Like, I partially agree with that, though. I'm not gonna lie. I just I love C.J. Stroud. He's good. He's good. He's very good. But he's not great. Bryce Young's great. So I rather like as a as a consumer, I want to watch Bryce Young and Nick Saban just because I know what. I'm gonna get from them in a big game, but yeah, like, I mean, I know, yeah, that's true. I mean, there's only so many college football games with Bryce Young left. I mean, actually, you know, one or two. So it, it, you definitely want to see him continue to play in that. And I know you could just uh, not to cut you off. I know you could reverse that on me with USC because Lincoln Riley. We've seen him in the playoff with yeah. those Oklahoma teams. They stunk, right? I just I think there's a whole new vibe around him with the Trojans and Oklahoma, and also they just they. They're as like they're similar to Oklahoma defenses in terms of uh, his under them. They give up a lot of yards, but they keep themselves in games. They make turnovers. Those Oklahoma defenses wouldn't force as many turnovers as this Trojans defense does this year. Yeah, I mean they're good. I mean, who would have thought at the beginning of this year that first year head coach Lincoln Riley would be able to, or under USC would they be able to potentially lead them to a playoff, which is pretty crazy. But Caleb Williams had his Heisman moment. You know, he was scrambling mm. around, stiff arm someone, gets you know makes. This miraculous run when he was surrounded by, um, you know, defenders, uh, Notre Dame defenders. So it's pretty. He, he's definitely a lock for the Heisman at this point, I would say. Yeah, and 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 he's been carrying them. Just it's like as they've gotten some injuries, you know, because their whole line isn't even like it's all right. It's not like awesome. Uh, Travis Dye, when they had him, you know, he, he's getting solid rushing yards, but mostly because he's just that good. It's not like the run line is creating. Um, Great holes up the up the middle for him just to explode through, and then now he's down. And so Caleb Williams is basically the quarterback and the running back. Like they have great receivers, but other than that, they are like they're a little thin everywhere. And we'll we'll definitely be watching the game on Friday against Utah. Well, so that as we uh, as we kind of end college football talk, you got Utah and USC on Friday, which I mean, I would expect USC to win. Poor Utah, man. This is uh, they've had a, if they didn't lose that Florida game, you're ten and two here, and then you know checking off one loss. I I, I thought that they would be a really good playoff candidate, and here they are in the championship. But a couple of those losses, man. Just uh, you wish you could have them back, but that's why you play football, that's right? Like the Pac-12 effect always getting you know just beaten up by each other. Some dumb losses. That Florida one though is just because oh, Florida's not even that good. No. It's hard to play Definitely like not good. hard to play in the road, hard to play in the swamp. That's why they lost that game, but they were better than them. 
I just feel these games aren't as ugh, the fact that LSU lost, man, to A and M, Texas eight and four or four and eight, but now Texas five and seven, right? Yeah. Um, Texas A and M beating LSU, that I really don't understand that. Give a you know, A and M was the laughing stock of college football last last week with their you know terrible crowd against UMass, and they go out there and beat the you know SEC you know champion runner up right now because I'm knocking with they'll probably lose to. Georgia. Yeah. And LSU's ever since LSU beat Bama, like like that Arkansas game, you know, they they only beat Arkansas by 3 and it was cold and all this stuff, but you know, just some of these they their their wins, I mean, they, they didn't beat UAB by that much. Uh, LSU's kind of uh really all, riding that LSU. They put a lot of chips. They put all their chips on the table in that Bama, Bama game. Yeah. So, they play for the SEC. I guess we like Georgia there because that's tough to not. I mean, 17.5-point favorites. K-State, TCU, I am want to see TCU. So I'm on the TCU wagon, not that it's really like a pick. Also, K-State just does have that. I get scared, though, because they've played already. They've got the you know the revenge factor, the tough-to-beat-two-teams-twice factor coming in. So they're playing with that, which, you know, is not necessarily something you – like – talk about heavily but uh, as a team but you know they're going to be hungry and also it's got to be their first Big Ten championship yeah. and or Big 12 championship in in a while I mean congrats to them it's been a it's been a fun season to watch you get it's, Purdue Michigan at 8 UCF Tulane is one of the and then that Clemson North Carolina game is just uh, that looked like it might be a really fun game earlier in the a couple weeks ago when they both had one loss, but yeah, they've kind of unraveled. Kind of unraveled. Hey, good for South Carolina. They were kind of seen as like a little bit of a laughing stock, and they kind of turned the, the season around with those two big wins, Tennessee and Clemson. Mm. Shane Beamer said he's like, this isn't our playoff, but we feel like we're playing on our own right now. Spencer Rattler has, uh, I mean, before he had like, whatever, the Tennessee game, he had like five touchdowns or yeah. something. and. He had six coming into it. Like, whatever it was, he had one less touchdown than what he had all season coming into that Tennessee game. And that was a uh, that was a massive win for them. They, they clearly rode that in. Who knows? I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, hype around Beamer Ball, the coach. Yeah, I mean, early in his career at uh, South Carolina. So, you know, there's always about building up a program. I think he can certainly do so. Well, I guess we can only wait and see. As on Friday and Saturday, we will get our answers. Um, how about the USA? USA, big game. It's called soccer now. Yeah, it's got to be soccer. I mean, there's no other choice. They they draw with England. They go, you know, must win game against Iran. Christian Pulisic, you know, one of the the you know main goals of U.S. soccer soccer history that we just witnessed yesterday. Ah, oh, that was awesome. He that sacrifices so awesome. the gonads for the nation. <laughs> I know, right? Like, it was like, dude, where did he get hit? It looked like he took, like, a fist, you know, but then, and it's saying it's a dot, like, he got hit yeah. so hard, and he just, you never see that type of uh, physicality in a in a soccer game, because usually uh, um, talk about the lack of physicality and how someone gets hit and they fall down, but Christian Pulisic, putting the team on his back. Good. Captain America. They also, the big, re- the he's awesome. I would, they, you know, they need more strikers because they just they had great pressure, but they can't finish any of these goals. You know, they just don't have good sh- um, shot makers besides him at the forward spots. Well, they've only scored two goals 
in yeah. the group stage. Is definitely not, you know, not what you want to need, not what you want when you're going into the the round of 16 against, you know, a team like the Netherlands, who has historically been pretty solid. Yeah, and, they, and their strong point is the is their defenders. But that's the uh, other thing, too, is that I say this. Uh, I think it's way ahead in a goal. And it got called off. That was just yeah. that was just not an offsides. Um, but I just, dude, for my limited soccer knowledge, learning, like, watching with some friends who actually know what's going on, trying to tell me, like, how the game's being won stuff. Dude, the, the midfield for America, that is the key. Watching these guys fly around, especially McKinney and Tyler Adams, dude. Obviously, like, people really just know them now. Like, it's not a crazy thing to be talking about how good they are, but I just think it is impressive because, you know, they're kind of like, they're like Pulisic. They're they're playing at a big club. You know, all these guys are on these clubs now. They're on bit, but they're, like, these three are truly playing on these teams. And you know, Pulisic will get will leave Chelsea for another one because Chelsea's dumb and they don't play him enough. But it's just crazy to see the the growth now because ten years ago in the last one, or I guess technically eight years, it's guys like you know the, the only one really who's doing anything at, across the pond is Tim Howard. Yeah, yeah. Tim Howard with the Premier League. Clint Dempsey and Lana Donovan and all these guys who are awesome were super good. They, you know, they were stuck in the MLS. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, I was talking to a friend who's big into soccer. And he said it's about like 60-40 split right now between European guys and MLS guys, which is you know, a pretty massive trend in the right direction considering, you know, America's popular popular sports compared to soccer. Um, but yeah, it was a big game. I think, you know, this is kind of this this World Cup is kind of a little bit of a testing the waters a little bit. I know a lot of people are talking about how 2026 is going to be like the big the big run for the for the uh for the Americans. Yeah, and, and you know, get some vibes that they think whole about going all the way beyond just like a great run. But I think it should have been a great a goal for them to to get out of the stage. And I think it should have been probably viewed as a failure if they didn't. Yeah. But here they are. They got out. They did it. They got the Netherlands. Um which which should be a uh a good game, even if they don't win it. Also, yeah, going back to the game a little bit. Also, I don't know much about soccer, like you mentioned. And, you know, either of us are not big fans, but I th- I feel like they pull the dogs off at the end, kind of trying to play a little like cat and mouse game at the end, just you know running out of time. But Iran just like took over the the ball, and they were getting you know hockey reference. They were getting pucks on net. That's what I don't. Yeah, I don't understand some of the substitutions. Uh, mostly just because, but. That's the thing is it's all like it's all strategy and it's all about like putting guys certain places how much how long they could play and stuff and yeah. so and Zimmerman was using his his head as a weapon just you know heading headering every every ball that came in his direction yeah I I kind of like him he's one I think he's one of the only MLS guys yeah he's I think he is one of them yeah but you know he's been a uh, I think he's the guy who did make that Bar- Gareth Bale penalty. So that was a big mistake, but he's avenged it, and here they are. They've moved on. It's kind of—I mean, we're, we haven't gotten out of the uh, the group stage yet. I think we still have a couple more days. USA plays Saturday. Yeah, Saturday nine a.m. I think I think um, Argentina's playing right now. They played this morning, so there's kind of some Group C figuring themselves out today. Yeah, um, the games. Um, we do know Netherlands, us uh, or USA, England, and Senegal. Good for Senegal, by the way, because I don't know if you. Senegal has uh, um, their best player, Sadio Mane. You ever heard of him? Yeah. Right. Are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? And dude, dude, they, I like, you know, I'm a Liverpool fan. This is before he leaves, and so um, I follow all this stuff, and you know, Liverpool 
accounts on Twitter and stuff are just having a field day because to qualify for the World Cup, it was Senegal led by Mane and Egypt with Mo Salah, the other guy, right? And so the Golden Boof, the Premier League this year, Salah, or Or maybe the year before him or Kane, whatever it was. And um, so, yeah, they're two of the best players in the Premier League, two of the best players on the team. They had to battle each other for it. And um, they battled each other for that uh, spot. You know, one had to go for their. The other. And then a week before the World Cup, Mane gets hurt. It's the first time Senegal's ever made it, or second time, whatever. They obviously haven't made it with Mane as player and all these guys, and they finally make it. And he gets hurt a week before the World Cup. And so everyone's like, oh, Senegal stinks, even though they ha- they're they in the same group as Qatar, the worst, the worst, worst host, city. host city or host team city, ever. Yeah. And uh, they advance. So I don't know. Just one of those good feel good stories. We already got one. We probably will get another one, and um, Saudi Arabia has the chance to advance today um, as they're tied with Poland. Everyone would expect Poland to join Argentina, but here you go. Saudi Arabia's got the chance. So it's been a good World Cup when it comes to uh, um, getting some upsets in. You know, like those notably Belgium. Uh, my roommate Jake is talking about, he's like, dude, I would never expect Belgium to not get to the group stage just because yes. they're on their golden generation, all that stuff. But I mean, dude, Kevin De Bruyne was like, yeah, we're too old. Like, we're not going to make it far. But, yeah, it, dude, it's just like, what? It's so weird, but you can tell that they're just. Uh, and there was like riots in the streets of Belgium after they lost. It's just like. Yeah. I didn't, re- like, because that's the thing, dude. You learn about how like golden generations work and stuff and like. You know, if uh, if America, like, if they go, if they end up getting far, like, the expectations will get jumped up. Yeah. God forbid they fail in 2026. Like, there'll be a lot of people being like, whoa, like, a fit. Like, it's just, it's an extreme sport, man, especially with the tournament being every four years. You know, if you miss your chance, you miss your chance. Especially since 2026, some of the games are going to be uh, in the United States. Mm. In Jer- it's just Jerry's world. Because is it, it, it's like a USA, it's Mexico, Canada. Canada. Yeah. How's that gonna work? I have no idea. They just can go it's back and like it's like that's a massive area, land area. Like we already like because the thing like you know Qatar's built spent what two hundred billion dollars yeah. build all these stadiums. That's what a lot of them do when they have these tournaments, right? We don't even need to build these stadiums. We have the infrastructure, like the infrastructure is already in place, but they're gonna be playing at these football stadiums that hold like sixty thousand. Like they're gonna be playing at Gillette Field and oh, Gillette Stadium stinks for soccer. Arrowhead and Jerry's World. Maybe MetLife. Yeah. No, that makes sense. It's just also, like, wouldn't the big thing be, it's probably easy to split up the group stages and stuff, but right. once you get to the final four, yeah, it's gonna be you know, if you travel, don't you want the final? Like, isn't the whole point, like, the? Or is it, there's got to be a fight over which country's hosting the yeah. final. There's no probably, way the... It's probably, like, whoever pays the most or something. Yeah, probably. But it just, there has, there's definitely no fair way that you break up the, the group of 16. Yeah. But... Well, it's been a good World Cup. Soccer is very – it's very interesting, dude. It's just – it's its a fascinating thing to learn about as uh, things like the World Cup go on. You get into uh, – in the Premier League and La Liga and all these big clubs. I mean, they're just – they're so old. These countries are hundreds of years old and these towns, their economies are, like, based off these teams. It's just very fascinating. Yeah. And then you see the importance of so- – I mean, dude, the fact that, uh, like, 100 million people in America – we're watching these U.S. games. It's good, just, good for the sport, good for the future of, of soccer in the United States because some little kid's going to be watching this make, I want to play soccer versus compared to, like, football, and baseball. And you know who that kid was one time? 
Chris Plessis. Yeah, <laughs> from Hershey. He was in Hershey, Pennsylvania, watching Landon Donovan. He's like, I want to be an American soccer well, player. You got any final thoughts here? I didn't. I know we're coming out. We kind of lame. We didn't talk about any Thanksgiving football, mm-hmm. even though I kind of wanted avoided talking about the Patriots. I didn't want to go on a rant to anyone about the Patriots, but it was kind of a. Uh, it was another kind of. I thought it was a good week for football in the NFL. Nothing too crazy, but I think we'll can uh, yeah. wait for another week as the playoffs start to really step up. As the real big thing was college this weekend. But any final thoughts before we sign off? Um, final thoughts about the NFL. Um, Colts don't know how to time manage. The Ravens love blowing leads, and Sean Watson will be playing this week, so it'll be oh see how the Browns turn out. I forgot about him for a second. Deshaun Watson, that's uh, that's gonna be interesting how people respond to that. He's making a supervillain return. He is infamous Watson. Well, that does it for us this week. Make sure to check out uh, the rest of the shows that you can get from Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. That would be six one four check with Zachary Rodier, the Block O Show with um, Tyler, Matt, and Caleb. Pretty sure that's our crew. I hope I did not. Those three are going to be reviewing the Michigan game even more in depth than we did. So make sure to check that out. Almost game day, taking the week off. But Toby and Zach Herbstreet, they'll be back next week. We'll assume they'll be talking about the game and what happened there. So that will be some good stuff to listen to as well. And Tyler and Caleb's show, The Ohio State of Mind, should be making its return soon, soon, soon. So some good stuff for Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio coming up. Thank you guys for supporting us as always. And we'll see you next week. Yeah.